0: Hey everybody, my name is Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Guys, we've got a great episode for you today. I hope you'll take some time to listen to it. If you're anywhere in management, if you're responsible for leading other people, if you think in the future you might be responsible for leading or managing other people, I hope you'll listen to this. It's an important one. It's a really good one. Right off the bat, i got to give a quick error check to myself. i got to error check myself. Before I air wreck myself, I say right up front in this episode that uh, we have had five staff drama conferences. That is not correct. We have had five uncharted veterinary conferences. Only one of them, the one that starts today, the date this this podcast is being published, only one is as a staff drama conference. The others have all been either straight uncharted conferences or our get shit done conference. So that's my bad, and I just want to own it up front. With that. Let's get into this episode.
1: And now, the Uncharted Podcast.
0: And we are back. It's me and my wingman, Stephanie, started from the bottom. Now we're here, Goss.
1: (laughs) Hey, Andy, how's it going?
0: It's good. It's good. How are you doing?
1: I am good. I'm
0: good. This is our fifth staff drama conference. And I so I've been there for all of them, as have you. And um and on top of that, you know, I've been I've been speaking all over the world for 10 years now. Uh, I've been traveling speaking. And man, I still just wrestle when we get to this point before an event that I'm really excited about. And like, I hope I do a good job and I mm-hmm. hope that this goes well. And mm-hmm. I'm just being super vulnerable. And the fact that. The fact that I have won awards for speaking many times, and that every uncharted we have done has been wonderful, and people have just gushed about it, those things still don't make my nervousness go away. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and so I, I just want to say that to people. Um. Oh man, you for know, doing sure. this a long time. And I still get butterflies. And so, if you're out there and you've got something big coming on the pipes, and you're you're feeling the butterflies, I <laughs> that does not mean that you're not ready. It just means that you're a human being.
1: Yeah, for sure. It is. It is. Um, it is overwhelming. And and I think. I think that that is in part a little bit of our personalities and we want to make people happy, but, um, you know, there's also that, the excitement bit of it. I am, I am super excited, but it is, it feels like, um, uh, some, some anxiety of like, can I do this? Can I do a good job? So I, I feel you on that. There's, there's a lot of work to be done, but I think, um, I think that that's part of what being the boss. Is about, and I think that's part of what our episode today is is about. Um, I wanted to talk about something that I have seen a handful of posts um, in some of the groups that I'm in lately, and actually someone someone posted in Uncharted and said, um, you know, that they had they had seen some posts in some other managers groups from managers who were feeling like they were really um, kind of alone at the top, and that they um, were struggling with um, some specifics that we're going to get into in a minute, but it really, it really resonated with me because I think that, um, I think that it is a very overwhelming feeling. It can be a very overwhelming feeling to feel like things all rest on your shoulders and that you, um, you know, even if you feel super confident that, um, that you're the one in charge and you're the one who has to try and make all the things work and juggle all of the balls. And I think, um, I think that that can be a really overwhelming feeling. And I think we both feel that about uncharted to a degree as well.
0: Oh yeah, definitely.
1: Um, so I, I've seen a bunch of posts in some of my managers groups and I, I'm involved in a lot, both formal and informal, um, managers groups. And, and there've been a bunch lately about, um, the idea of kind of being lonely at the top um as a manager and the idea that you know you can really have a fantastic setup for your job so you could have you know flexibility with your schedule and great hours and benefits and good pay and um you know health insurance coverage we we can't always say the same for our team members um and as a manager we often um, are more likely to have a lot of those things, um, I think, than, than some of our our team members. But it also is really easy to feel like despite all of those things, all of the good parts of our job, that we might not be, be happy. And um, a few of the posts that I saw talked about the idea of coming from other areas of the hospital, whether it's the front desk or on the floor as a technician and um, you know, really having a family environment, being friends with the people that you worked with every day. Um, and also the good things about being on the floor, like getting to know clients, getting to know the pets, building the relationships. And then when you make that shift into a, a manager role and, and you're the boss, especially if it's been some period of time since you've been in that role, those things that you really, really enjoyed about the everyday tasks of your job usually aren't present anymore. Instead, you're the one, um, you know, making the rules, you're having hard conversations, you're having sometimes disciplinary um, conversations with your team, you're the bad guy with clients, you're the one who either has to call and try and smooth things over when things have gone wrong, or you're the one who are chasing after the clients who are being naughty and um you know making life difficult for your team so um i think it's very easy to feel lonely and even depressing when you get to that point um and one of the posts really resonated with me because the person said you know it's it's sunday and i have butterflies in my stomach because i know tomorrow's monday and i have to go back to work and that really hit home for me because I know that feeling. I have felt that feeling. And um, I think it's really important that we talk about that feeling and talk about, um, you know, finding happiness in our in our work. And the person who, who made the post that resonated the most with me went on to say something about um, understanding that when you take a position and you move into management, that relationships are going to change. And it doesn't always bother you at first. I know for myself, it didn't bother me. But once you had been in, once I had been in the role for a while, it really did start to, um, weigh heavily on me. The, the position of being in the position of having to make all the hard decisions. And so, um, they ended their post book by asking like, am I the only, I can't be the only one. (laughs) And, and so, um, you know, they were, they were asking for help and advice. And, and so, I really wanted us to to tackle this and, and really kind of talk about um, this feeling because I think it is really important to the people who wrote the post that I saw and people that um, I am friends with that I have seen um, ask questions like this or people that I know that have asked this question of myself and even for me um, at points in my career where I have felt like, am I the only one feeling this thing? because the answer is absolutely no, you are not the only one. Um, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about about that.
0: yeah, I see I see posts and talk to people at conferences very much in this vein. I think this is a really common thing. I think there's two different pieces here. The first is just how does it feel to be in a leadership role? Period. Mm-hmm. The second is, how does it feel to be in a leadership role amongst a team where you didn't used to have that role? Where you were part of the crew, and now you're leading the crew. Yep. Uh, I th- let's, let, well, we, can, we can talk about them both. I think, I think all of the weird emotional things of being a leader are there when you used to be part of the crew. Plus a couple additional things. I really do think that however you feel, I've always felt like it's much easier to come in and take a leadership role. And everyone sees you as a leader from the first time you come in. It's actually called the the anchor principle of psychology is that people tend to remember you how you were when they met you. I think this is a reason that a lot of veterinarians leave their first job after a year or after two years. Because even though they've been there two years and they've been busting their hump and they're really good, they're still the new vet or the baby vet. And the staff sees them that way and the bosses see them that way. And we don't want to. It's just it's our natural wiring in our brain. And those people can uh, they can leave. They can go to another place and they can get essentially a fresh start without that. Without that, uh, that reputation tied to them at all. Mm -hmm. And so the same thing is when you become the manager if you come in as the manager, you're the new manager. If you come up from the team, it's like, Hey guys, we're taking Stephanie and we're moving her up to have new responsibility. Mm -hmm. And now if you mess up, she's the person you're going to be talking to. Mm -hmm. And that is a whole different game.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I think, like you said, it is very easy for people to, um, or our, our natural inclination is to see people as they started. And I think that's, a whole other struggle for a lot of managers who do come up through the team is that sense of everybody views you as what you were to start with. And so you constantly get asked, hey, can you can you come sit up front and do this thing while we catch up? Or hey, can you come help with this pet on the floor? It's really easy for everybody to continue to see you as the technician or as the you know CSR leader or however you moved up through the hospital. And um it's really hard for people to to move on from that and i until you said that i never i never really thought about that but in my career evolution it has absolutely been easier for me to walk into a new team as as a as the manager and move into um a position as a leader um in so many ways including i feel like gaining the respect of my team because that's how I came in. I didn't have to work my way through the process that happens when you when you move up from the team.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a big part of how people enter into practices. So people ask a lot about the struggles of moving up to be a team leader, be a head technician when you've been a, a rank and file technician up to that point, or when you were the kennel kid, and now you're a technician, and now you're going to be the head technician, or you're the kennel kid and then you were um, an assistant and then you went to vet school and now you're going back to the same practice. (laughs) Those things are just, we can navigate that. Don't, don't let that put you off. Uh, We, it happens to everybody. I mean, it's kind of how you earn your stripes is at some point you move up inside of the (laughs) clinic that you're in. They see potential in you. They're willing to, to let you uh, take the wheel. And so you get your shot. And that is, I I think how sort of people move up the leadership ranks. I, I think we all end up in that in that, um, in that little conundrum, but, Mm -hmm. um, but let's just go ahead and start talking about the feelings of, of being alone, the feelings that those relationships that you've had are sort of breaking down the feeling that you're, you're not, you're not one of the friends. You're not one of the groups. I just want to validate the heck out of those feelings and just say, um, I like, I like the old saying heavy is the head that wears the crown. And I just, I just think about that and that Mm-hmm. That saying has been around a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. And because it's true, you know, someone has to be the person that makes the hard decisions. Someone has to be the person who delivers the hard news. And it's, it is hard and it is, it is lonely. It is naturally very lonely. And so I, I think if people start to say, oh, my job is great and I make a good salary and I have a good schedule, why am I unhappy? I don't think that you should feel like you're abnormal. I think what you're feeling is very, very normal. Mm-hmm. And isolation is a real problem for leaders, whether you're practice owners or managers, mm-hmm. uh, anyone where you don't you don't really have counterparts. That's that's hard.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and I think the the number one thing to to validate besides the fact that all of what you're feeling is totally normal is the fact that. Our relationships do change when we become leaders, um, especially if we were a part of the team. Though there is no, there is no way for those relationships to not change. Now you can still be friends with people that are on your team or are in a position that now is um, subordinate to yours. But everybody has to look at the fact that that relationship has changed and if you don't take the time and the effort and the energy within your friendship but also within your work environment to set clear expectations and reset the boundaries you're going to be in a, a world of hurt at some point in time from, yeah. from my personal experience
0: oh uh, no I, I think i think that's it and this is this is a difficult thing for a lot of people to hear um but so i just i just going to sort of say it straight out. When you move up into a leadership position or you move up uh, into a management position, uh, your relationships do change. Even if you don't change, even if the people that you're managing, even if everyone's like, we're all going to be friends, Mm -hmm. we're all going to be cool. Nothing's really going to change. Can we all agree on that? Mm -hmm. You can have that conversation all you want. But the truth is, whether you like it or not, the power structure in your practice has changed. Mm -hmm. You now have a different status than you used to have. And in our caveman lizard brain, status is critically important. I mean, we all care about our status. We're constantly looking to be like, am I a, am I a better tech than, than she is? Or Am I, uh, you know, am I, do people still respect me? Or if I, you know, if I need something, are people going to come and back me up or are they not going to back me up? Or do people like, do people want to work with me? Like we run those checks a million times a day. And those are hundred percent survival instinct, caveman brain, tribal life checks and balances that are running. And they are just part of the human animal. And so you always run those things when someone moves up those calculations, they just change. Mm -hmm. And so think about this, right? So now you're the new manager and you're going to go and you're going to talk to one of your people who's your friend. Uh, And you used to work shoulder to shoulder, but now you're his boss. When you would go as a friend and say, hey, could you help me out with this? Or, hey, I need you to do more of that. If you guys are on the sort of the same level, you're not affecting that person's status. You are not changing their value in any way in their eyes or in other people's eyes but when you're the boss all of a sudden you hit these different buttons when you say things like that and all of a sudden the person's like did I just get called out by the manager mm-hmm. uh, oh man does does the manager not like the work that I'm doing you've never had those thoughts when your friend was saying those things to you but you have them when the boss says those things. Why? It's a different power structure. It's just a different power dynamic. And it was interesting, and in, you know, in in the, in the post that you shared, the one that you said really resonated. I think this person said they'd been a manager five or six years at this point. You know, it, it had been a while, and they're really starting to feel this. I I do. I don't think it's an immediate shift. It doesn't have to be unless people really radically change their behavior. There's some resentment over promotion or things like that. Mm-hmm. But over time, those Those power dynamics, they do, they essentially change the relationship at a fundamental level. We are not peers anymore. We are not equals anymore uh, from an organizational standpoint. We are both equal people in value and personal value. But inside this framework where we go to work, we're different. And whether you like it or not, not, that is going to twist your relationship. So one of the things that I, I say to people... Early on, as as soon as somebody starts talking to me about moving up inside of a practice, I talk about the anchor principle and people like to hold you in their mind the way that they met you and how your new job can add a lot of stress to that because they expect you to be as you were. And now you have a whole new suite of responsibilities and you have a boss that's looking on you and saying, hey, I need you to get this done. I need you to fix this behavior, not go and hang out with the team
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and and so there's a lot of friction between people thinking you're supposed to be who you were in the past and you having new responsibilities. The other thing that that helps me here, you know, I go back to this sort of Buddhist idea about about time and life. And I just I'm get deep here for a second, but but bear with me. You know, time is a river that only flows one way. Right? It doesn't go back. It doesn't stay the way that it has been. Think about throughout your life. Think of all the friends that you had who came into your life and were wonderful, and then they drifted away. as like sticks in a river, and you kind of stick together for a bit, and then you kind of separate and, and float back apart. Guys, that's life, and that is how life works. And the Buddhists say the way that you suffer, the way you make yourself un- unhappy and uncomfortable is you resist that progression. It's attachment. It's you try to hold on to the way that things used to be and you go, but these are my friends and the l- world is changing and time is flowing and you're not the person that you were before and they're not the person they, they were before. And the more you fight against that, the more painful it becomes. And so I just like to throw that out and say, anger principle, people remember you the way that they were, that you were the, uh, you have new responsibility. The power dynamic has changed and do not forget that time is a river that only flows one way you will suffer if you try to hold on to what has been in the past as opposed to embracing where you are now and that is hard
1: mm-hmm.
0: like mm-hmm. i think that is absolutely vital if you want to if you want to be happy and if you want to successfully make this transition
1: for sure i think one of the hard lessons that I had to learn was the difference between being friends with your team and being friendly with people. Um, And I think a lot of managers struggle with this for a lot of people. It's easy to take it from one extreme to the other. So you've been a part of the team, you're friends with, with people. When I started managing, I counted um, my team on my hand as as part of my best friends. I mean, these were people who knew everything about me. They were the people that I called and asked for helping. We were together more than the time that I spent with my family at that point in my life. And, and when I transitioned into a leadership role, I really struggled with, um, with creating the new boundaries and with learning how to how to find the happy medium. And so when I moved into, when I left that practice and I moved into a new practice where I came in as the boss, I swung all the way to the other side of the pendulum, which I think was, I can't, I can't be friends with any of you. And I put up all of these walls and barriers and it was like, I don't, I need to be the boss. I don't need to, um, get to know you. You don't need to get to know me. I don't have to share any personal information with you. Um, and I was trying to protect myself in doing it and it didn't, it didn't quite work out the way that I wanted it to. And, um, I think I had to learn some painful lessons about the difference between being friends with people and being able to be friendly, um, and, and becoming kind of, I think where I have been for some time in my career now, which is getting to know my team, Caring about them as people, um, but, and I can be very friendly with them and I I want to know about them. I want to know about what's going on in their lives, and to a degree, I want them to know the same about me. But there is definitely a, a boundary where it is about being friendly with them and how do I serve them as a leader? How can I get to know them versus being friends with them?
0: Oh, I agree with that. This is, uh, this usually sets people off when I, when we start to say it and start to talk about it, the semantics here are important. Okay. I I think from a mental standpoint, so I'll say to people, I don't think the doctors and technicians can be friends and people really do not like that. Mm -hmm. And, and I understand why, because we have people who are technicians who we care about. We care very deeply about these people. And you say, well, I care deeply about this person. Don't tell me I can't care deeply. It's like, oh no, I'm not saying that. I just I think the way that we think about a relationship I do think it's important because if we don't take the time to kind of parse through this relationship that we have as a manager uh, and a technician or or a doctor and a technician or you know um, a, a leader and and and, um, and a and a follower rank and file uh, team member I think that it leads us to this sort of internal pain. A friend tells you that he's uh, going to call out sick from work so he can go. And, uh, you know, go hang out and drink and go inner tubing on the river. Uh, are you going to report your friend to his boss? And you go, well, no. So, well, what if your, what if your friend is your, is the, is your technician now? Now what are you doing? Um, mm-hmm. and you go, well, that's, that, that's different. I say, what if your friend, uh, what if your friend told you that maybe he had a couple of drinks before he went to work? I mean, are you going to call your friend's boss and tell him no? What if that was a technician in your clinic? It's the it's fundamentally different.
1: I have i <laughs> it's so funny that you gave that as an example because we did not talk about this at all, but I that was a defining moment for me in my career. I had the moment where I got a phone call from some of my technicians at um six a m uh six thirty maybe uh before we were supposed to be at the the hospital at seven to start our shift, and they had gone out drinking the night before and had left their car at the bar and they called me because they were still somewhat intoxicated as I found out when I went and picked them up and and needed um a ride to get to the clinic and I had to be in that position of wanting to help them and wanting to support them, but also having to go, I can't have you here. I can't, you can't, you can't be at work today um, for a variety (laughs) for a variety of reasons, but then having to shift into the disciplinarian mode and, and say, you know, I, you smell like alcohol, you have to go home. And um, it was a really, really difficult and painful lesson For me to learn um, because that is one of the hardest things that I think you can face as a manager is how do you how do you have someone who you are friends with who shares personal information like that, but it absolutely has to alter the way that you um, engage with them or that you uh, have to make a choice for the betterment of the team that is to the detriment of that one person or feels to them like it is to their detriment. And that is a, that's a really hard thing to do.
0: Well, that's a great example. I mean, they, they put you in a terrible position. I mean, they put you in a horrible position.
1: And, and on on one hand I loved them and I was like, I'm glad you called me. Like I want to be the mom, right? Like I don't want, I don't want anybody driving while they're still drunk. I'm glad you left your keys at the bar. Like I'm, I am glad that, You made some good life choices. And so it was hard because I wanted to, I wanted to commend those things. But at the same time, I was like, gosh, dang it, you guys. Like now, now I have to be in the position where I have to figure out how to handle this and, and set the precedent because it's not just about you guys. And even if none of the rest of the team knows about this, at some point, this story is going to get told. And what I do in this moment is going to matter and it's going to affect other people down the line.
0: Right. That, that's why I think this is so important to talk about these semantics of can we be friends? Because I think a lot of people find themselves in this position and it's really hard because you may have been, you would have been leading the charge perhaps to the bar in the past, but- but that's not where you are anymore. That was before that you were the, you were the the manager. That's before you had these other responsibilities. And so I, I think a lot of people really struggle with the management position because they haven't resolved that in their mind. And so I, I want, I wanted to let people off the hook here and say, for me, it is helpful to decide. I am not, I am not their friend. I'm not going to tell them that. I don't, I don't say, Hey, Steph, I'm not your friend just want you to know that you know like or steph comes and asks me for something and i'm like i'm not gonna do that you know why I'm not your friend I'm not your friend so yeah i'm mean, just not gonna be anything like that the the truth guys is i care deeply for the people that i work with and stephanie knows i i would go to the map for her like i i would do whatever because i i care so much about her at the same time we have boundaries in our relationships and we have um you know, we have an understanding of, of where those friendship lines are mm-hmm. and we maintain those. I just, mm-hmm. I just think that that's really important. I use an example and, and I just have to be real careful here because I don't want to give the wrong impression. This is not the same thing, but I am one of those people who says, um, I'm not friends with my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I am something different. And it's not the same relationship I have with people that I work with, Mm-hmm. but, but it it's in those same bounds. Am I friends with my kids? And the answer is no. Why? Because I have responsibilities for the outcome that mm-hmm. involves these children, right? I am not here to be their friend. I am here to help them and support them. And I have a responsibility to the world to make them good citizens, right? Mm-hmm. And again, different from, it's not a paternalistic thing at work, but it is different where it's like, I care about you. Like, I care about you deeply. At the same time, I have a responsibility to help you grow, to Mm -hmm. accomplish tasks, to take care of the pet owners who are coming in, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I have that type of responsibility that I don't have with my friends. If you and me are friends, I don't have any responsibility for you other than I feel some responsibility to try to not let you make horrific life decisions (laughs) when you give me that opportunity that's all that's all i got that's the only responsibility. that and i'll take this back too is being a young man i remember i had friends we didn't even have that responsibility it was like ha, 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 watch this <laughs> and 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 I, we would all go this is a terrible idea let's watch let's do it <laughs> that's totally this is going to be great and terrible and so you I, I hope you get the point, right? This is just an interesting thought exercise to get your head around. But if you're one of those people who goes, no, I am a manager now, but my techs are my best friends. I just want you to think about what I'm saying and saying, I I will never tell you not to care for those people. And I hope that you do care deeply for those people. But I think the way that you care for them needs to shift you your understanding that you're at a different place now than you have been in the past. <laughs> and they're in a different place now. Than they have been in the past. The best thing we can do is accept that, figure out where the new lines and boundaries are, and, and enforce them.
1: So we're totally validating that uh, that you feel this when when you get to the top, and and I will absolutely say that I have felt all of these feelings m- m- multiple times in my career. So. Um I guess the next question is how, how do you handle it? What do you what do you do about it? How do you how do you help make those feelings of of loneliness and also um real true turmoil for me in the moment? Um how do you make those less?
0: Oh man. So I, I think there's a couple of things that that we need to do to get into a healthy space. Uh the the first thing is what we've already been talking about a bit. And I think it's acceptance. Like we have to accept where we are and that we are in a different place. And we have to ex- accept the fact that as being a manager, we're probably not going to be wildly popular like we were when we were a colleague. We're just not. And so I, you know, one of the things that's helped me, um, I have a, I have a really good friend. He's one of my best friends. And he uh, runs a comedy theater. And um, and I love this comedy theater. And, and it's where I do improv comedy as a hobby. And, and I, I just love it. And he started this thing up. And he runs it. And they run classes for people who want to learn to do comedy, stand-up or improv or whatever. And they have shows and things like that. And so if you could ever think of a fun business to run. And it really does. They just do a great, great job. And people really like it. And people who want to they've had dreams of being comedians. They get to live out their dream and be on stage and do these things. And it's a fairly good sized theater, but man, I've heard so many people criticize my friend, you know, just for a million things. And it's like, if he, decides the theater is going to do this thing, then people don't like it. And if he says that thing, then other people don't like it, or they don't like it for different reasons. And this person didn't get this opportunity that they wanted to do this goofy thing. And this person thinks that other people are being favored over them for weird reasons or, or whatever. And it's just this constant criticism. And, and I look at it because I love the people making the criticism too. Like these are my friends that, that I do comedy and stuff with. I like these people. So there's no bad guy in the story. hmm But it's almost like you get together with people and they're like, what can we talk about? Well, what do we have in common? Oh, the theater owner. Mm -hmm. And we are both aware of the decisions that are made there and we are both affected by them. And so let's be critical of those decisions or let's piece them apart. Let's, let's, let's go through and dissect what this person said and how they said it and why they said it and when they said it. And That was just a big thing for me, because if the comedy theater owner gets dissected again and again, you better believe the veterinary practice manager is going to get dissected again and again. And these are my people who like him. He's the most likable guy in the world. And so and people I would say people who generally if you ask them, they would say, oh, no, I love that guy. But they still critique and criticize. And that was just an eye opening sort of realization for me is someone who i think is doing a fantastic job and is really doing something fun and awesome and giving people a lot of opportunities he still gets criticized you know it's it's almost like something that people have in common and so they talk about it and so that was just a big part in my journey of going oh this is what it means to be the boss is that you get talked about you just are going to get talked about
1: it's totally true and and i think um i i love that story because i i I know your friend, and he is one of the nicest, kindest, most likable people. And I could also see where people are always going to find something to complain about because they care and because it impacts them and it matters to them. And so they're going to find something to complain about. And so I think um, when I talk to um, a friend or a colleague who is making the shift, um, particularly from being a part of the team into a a management role. There's generally two pieces of advice that I offer them. And um, one of them is one of my favorite um, Facebook uh, meme posts. And it it is, um, you are not Nutella. You are not going to make everybody happy. And ultimately somebody always says, Well, I don't like Nutella (laughs) because there's always that one person, right? Like (laughs) but for most of us, there the reality is you're you're not gonna make everybody happy. You're not gonna be able to be all things to all people. And you have to understand that there is always going to be something to complain about. And so if you can own that and you can accept it, it makes it so much easier to handle your life as as a manager. And and I use that. Um, I use it, believe it or not, I use that Nutella filter every single day in the clinic, whether it's processing my emotions about an in interaction with a team member or looking at feedback that a client gave me and and trying to decide how how important is this on the scale of one to 10? Do I take this with a grain of salt or not? And I I kind of filter everything through that lens of the reality that you cannot, ma- you cannot make all people happy. There will always be someone who finds something to complain about. And so for me, um, the winning strategy as a manager has been to find the things that matter most and the people that matter most and focus on trying to um, make those things matter. And for me, that's my team. Um, but it's also my my clients. And so, for example, when I am getting a client complete and I filter it through my Nutella lens, one of the questions I ask myself is, is this a client that comes in once every three years for their rabies vaccine? Or is this a client that's in the practice every other week and brings us, you know, cookies on a random Tuesday because they see that everybody's stressed out because it's so busy in the practice and they always bring um, presence for the entire team at Christmas. You know, I, I filter it through that and I have the capacity to then say, I, if I'm getting that same feedback from, um, you know, the amazing, awesome client that we love, I'm going to take that much more critically than I, than I am from a client that we see once every three years. And it's the same with my team. You know, if, if I am getting, one, one piece of information from somebody who clearly had a bad day, I, I want to try and filter that a little bit differently than if I'm getting the same message consistently from multiple members of my, my team, um, because there's a difference between a, a complaint and, um, and a concern. And I think that that, that helps me figure that out. And then the other piece of it is, is there is a fantastic book um, for any of you guys who are making this this leap, and I always recommend it, um, and it's called From Bud to Boss, and it's by Kevin Eikenberry. And you can find it in your local library in the business section or on Amazon or anywhere else you buy books. But it is a great quick and easy read um, and really talks about the dynamics of shifting from the team into a, into a leader role. Um, and so those are kind of two of the resources in terms of how to process acceptance of of the fact that things are going to change, um, and it's how you deal with that change that matters the most. I think.
0: Yeah, I agree. I remember I w- was talking one time to Dr. Bruce Frankie, who um,
1: I love, know, he, Bruce.
0: Yeah, he's one of the founding members of Uncharted, and he's been there forever. And He's kind of a mentor for me in a lot of ways. I I, I appreciate his advice. Uh, and his opinions. And so I had made a decision uh, in, in my business and uh, someone who worked for me was not happy. And I, it bothered me, right? Because I want, you know, you want your, your people to be happy. You, you really, you care about them and you want to serve them. If you see yourself as a servant leader, as sort of as as I do, which is saying, my job is to make their job easier. And that's what I go for. Well, when they're upset at you, then you feel like, well, I must have failed as a servant leader because obviously I didn't make their job easier. So I talked to Bruce and I said, hey, you know, I made this decision and this person's upset. And Bruce said, well, would you change the decision that you made? And I was like, no, I, I, I think it was the right call. I just can't make them understand. And he goes, welcome to management. And then, he, <laughs> and then he laughed and laughed. And I still remember him sometimes slapping me on the shoulder and cracking up and going, welcome to management. Then, yeah. So um, I, I, I think, I think that's part of acceptance. The other thing I'll just throw in with acceptance. I, I love the, I love the recommendation, the, the book recommendation that you gave, um, self care. And I, and I just, I know this is, yeah, I just got to say it self care. Mm-hmm. If you're going through this and you're struggling, make sure you're sleeping, make, mm-hmm. get good sleep, make sure you're exercising, get out of the building, do something to get your heart rate up, um, and, 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 and practice gratitude. And I know that that's some huggy, touchy feely stuff. But guys, it really is important when you're feeling this way, make sure you're getting some good sleep. Make sure that you're getting off screens as much as you can, when you can make sure that you're, you're getting your blood flowing and making sure you take time to stop and and check your perspective and just remember all the things that you're grateful for and all the things that are good. And those things will help you handle this. So acceptance is the, is the first step I think in trying to turn this around and make peace with it. The second thing is finding reward. I, I think we have to recalibrate what success is so when we're a technician success means one thing um it means whatever that thing is for you it, it's it's oftentimes it's relationships with pet owners is a lot of times it's it's patient care like oh I did this I was a part of this I, I fixed this animal and I'm and I supported this family and those are the things that you come to value and when you move to management a lot of those things go away as far as a metric and so if you move into the practice manager office and you're still you know, fixated on building relationships with pet owners as your goal mark of success. And a lot of people do that. They hold on to it. They just, they don't consciously update what success means.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And those people end up really unhappy because they're like, God, the only people I talk to who are pet owners are angry. Mm-hmm. And, and it's true. Mm-hmm. You've got to take a moment and recalibrate what reward is and what success is. I asked my father one time, um, I just sort of—I was just talking to him, kind of about about life in general. And I said, "What do you think the success looks like?" And he said, um, "He said I always found reward in earning the respect of my staff." And so he's—he's he's a doctor. He's an MD. Mm-hmm. I always found reward in earning the respect of my staff. And that really spoke to me on a deep level. He didn't say being liked by my staff. He Mm -hmm. didn't say being popular with the staff. He didn't say earning a lot of money. He didn't say seeing all the patients. He said earning the respect of my staff. And I think that if you can get your head into that space of, I want to earn their respect, I think it makes a lot of things a lot more palatable. It also makes it easier to make those hard calls. It also makes it Easier to have people who are upset with you or people who don't like, they don't like the decision that you made or, you know, they're kind of pushing back and say, well, you you may not like what I do or you may disagree, but I'm going to treat you fairly and I am going to do what I think is best for the practice. And I, I am more concerned about having your respect than your admiration or, your um, you know, or your, or your friendship. Mm
1: hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's so important, and I love the beautiful way that your dad so simply stated that it is. It is true. There is, um, you you can't make everybody happy, and you can't you can't be friends with everybody. But if your team can respect you, there is a lot of happiness um, to be found there. And then I think you were talking about you know. It is, it is true when you move, um, particularly for my CSR managers who move off the front desk, but also for technicians when you're not on the floor and you're not engaging and interacting with pets regularly, and that gave you immense satisfaction um, as as part of your, your job, um, and you're not doing that, I think you have to intentionally find ways to continue to have that um relationship and so for me it has it has um for the last i don't know probably seven or eight years now it has been setting intentional time for myself and i don't always get it every week i i try but um where i go down and i spend time on the floor and whether that's sitting in a in a run with a patient that's recovering from anesthesia or getting ready to go under anesthesia that's sad and whining and just being being present with, with the patients or whether it's sitting at the front desk and getting to make lobby small talk with clients and getting to know some of the faces, I am particularly intentional about taking that time for myself now because it is very important to me to not lose that connection altogether, and I think that that um again was a lesson that I learned really um quite painfully because I got to the point where um I think uh the the one of the people who posted in one of my managers group said, you know i the only clients I talk to now are the ones that I'm having to chase down." for money or who are mad about something or who just, you know, are, are livid about something that we did or didn't do. I got to the point where those were the only clients that I interacted with. And the only time I saw patients was when I was going into an exam room to deal with an upset or angry client. And it was really, I, 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 I got to a really, um, depressed point personally where I was like, I hate this. This sucks. I, I don't, I got into this. What I loved immediately upon entering the veterinary field was the interaction with the people, the clients and our, and our patients. And so for me, how I have recaptured that has been to be very intentional about my time and give myself time to enjoy the reward of the work that I'm that we are doing and the clients that we're serving because even if my primary goal is to steer the ship I still need that connection to our our vision and our mission and our purpose and I think that it's very easy for someone in a leadership role or in a in a management role to drift away from that un completely unintentionally but I think you have to make a point to put your anchor down and really be intentional about finding that for yourself because no one's going to do it for you. There will always be fires to put out. There will always be a pile of paperwork to do or bills to pay or payroll to do. Like all of those things are always going to be there and you have to make the intentional choice to connect to the things that you find rewarding and that, that make you happy. Yeah. Let's
0: talk about outside the clinic. Cause this is actually something that I really highly recommend. Um, Just just in vet medicine in general, this is a big Mm -hmm. drum that I really like to beat, and I think more people should be beating it. I think a lot of the answer to this problem comes outside of the clinic. I talk a lot about third spaces. okay? and so third space is a concept I actually got from my friend, the theater owner, and he talks about this. And it's one of the many things that I've learned from him. The third space is, is, is this, it's a concept that community planners use. And so if you were going to build a community, you were going to build a, you know, a new, uh, like a little, a suburb, a town, I I don't know. Um, one of the mixed use, uh, little conglomerates that have some stores and some apartments over the top of it. Okay. You're planning a community. Okay. One of the things, if you want that to truly be a community where people spend time you need to have what are called third spaces, okay? So I'm not talking about a commuter community, right? I'm talking about you, you, you want to have uh, some condos and people, they drive to the city and they work there and they come back and they sleep at your little community and they go back to the city. I'm not talking about that. If you really want a community, you have to have what's called third spaces. So what is a third space? Well, your first space is your home. That's where you sleep. That's where your family is. Second space is your job. Again, in commuter, uh, communities, all you have is a first and second space. People sleep there and they go to work and they go home and they go to work. And honestly, a lot of people listen to this podcast. That's your life. And it makes Mm -hmm. me nervous. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's your life is you get up, you go to work, you find your friend group. You think you you sort of try to find everything in your life there at work. And then you come back home and maybe you feed your family and go to bed or maybe just go to bed. Okay. That's worrisome to me. A third space is a place that is not home and it's not work. And it's a place that people go just to gather or to be Mm -hmm. okay. And so think about any sort of a hobby space. It's a bowling alley. It's a park. It's a community park that people go and they spend time. It's a dog park. It's a, um, it's a comedy theater where people go and play and practice and tell jokes and watch shows. It's a it's a community theater that people are involved with. It's a church. I was used to be huge third space for a lot a lot of people or churches. They would go. They had a community there that was not associated with their work. Mm-hmm. They knew people there. They talked to people there. And our involvement in churches. I'm not commenting on this other than to say our involvement in external groups and um, functions as a society has fallen steadily since the 1960s, right? 1950s, 1960s, people stopped going to Rotary Club. They stopped going to Elks Club. They mm-hmm. stopped, uh, church membership has been going down. I'm not trying to tell you what the thing should be, but I truly deeply believe that part of being happy, especially if you're a manager or a leader, because you it is lonely, right? You are isolated, Guys, I really think that it is so important for us as vet professionals to have a thing that you do where nobody cares that you're a veterinarian. Nobody cares that you work at a vet clinic. Like I, I think that for general happiness, I just, I don't know if we can make it without that third space. And so I really think that we should all have that even, and people say it's so hard to make time. It doesn't have to be a regular thing, but it needs to be a thing where you feel like you have something else. That's not that medicine. It could be a Dungeons and Dragons club. It could be Mm -hmm. uh, a a board game club. You could have poker nights with with friends that are not your vet friends. Mm -hmm. Guys, I think that having that supportive web, I think that that is really, really important because it is lonely as a manager. It is lonely in practice. I think that being stronger as groups and practices is wonderful. And I think that we should aspire to that. But I really do feel like the greatest sense of belonging and purpose comes from being part of a community, whatever that community means to you. And so think about third spaces. If you're feeling tapped out and you feel like, ah, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not really connected to the people that I work with. Maybe it's time for me to go somewhere else. I would say, well, maybe it's not about work. Maybe this is about connecting at another level. Maybe it's time to get involved with your neighborhood association. I mean, whatever your thing is, maybe there's a local gardeners group that meets one Saturday a month to go look at gardens or one Sunday. And they just talk about what they're doing in their yards. I mean, if that's your jam, then, then go in and meet those people. But I just, I think that that is really important to get that outside connection.
1: I think that's totally true. And I'm going to, I'm going to put in a very unintentional plug uh, right now for the uncharted community and say that one of the things that I really love about our community is that um, we have community members that have come and are, and have said, Hey, this has nothing to do with veterinary medicine, but this is my jam. And I feel like there is somebody else in this group that probably feels the same. And we have these little splinter groups that have, have grown of people who are finding finding the third space and have that in their outside lives and are now Um, able to share with people from their vet med family as well and to say that this is a thing I do they're celebrating the you know the achievements hey I just you know did this run or hey I completed this pottery class and sharing pictures of of that and it because it feels really really good I think um, to get validation from from anyone else but but in particular people who understand where we're coming from people from our vet med family it feels so much better to me I think sometimes to to hear one of them be like yeah right on because they really do understand the sacrifice that it took to make that thing happen because they understand all of the other part of our work life as well and it's just it's one of the coolest things I think about the the uncharted community because I'm like I said in the beginning of the podcast I'm I'm a member of quite a few um industry associations and and in particular management um groups and I love them they're a fantastic resource and at the same time it's it's all work all the time and I feel like there isn't any appreciation for um, there often is not appreciation for who we are as people outside of outside of work and so I love the the third space idea and figuring out what that is for for you as an individual and finding time to to do that it's one of the things um, actually that I really admire about you Andy and I and I actually admire it um about your wife as well she is a super busy powerful professional badass scientist woman and yet one of the things in her life that gives her um a lot of satisfaction is her third space, which happens to be curling, right? And I love the fact that I um hear stories of you who are like, yep, nope, I'm blocked out. I'm with the kids tonight because you know Allison's going to do her thing. And it is it I I love that about both of you guys that you each have a third space and there is something that is important to you. Um, and you dedicate the time to that in in your busy lives because you're both super busy people and yet you both make that work and you support each other in it. and it's one of the things i i admire the heck out of both of you guys for doing well
0: thanks for saying that allison does curling on tuesday nights and i do improv comedy on wednesday nights and then our kids do stuff on mondays and thursdays and <laughs> bef- and before our evening commitments you know so mm-hmm. we make this stuff happen but I take kids on Tuesdays and it's just understood because she's gonna do this thing because we prioritize it. And Mm -hmm. she takes kids on Wednesdays and it's understood that I will be doing my thing. Mm -hmm. And we just really protect that time because I do think that third space is so important. As -hmm. far as Uncharted goes, you know, the third space was a fundamental concept in Uncharted since the very beginning. It was part of how we how we built it because I sort of had this belief in my life that, you know, that that those types of Non work related pieces were really, really important. And so as Mm -hmm. you said, you know, we've got uh, we teach we teach meditation courses at Uncharted. We've got a parents group that was started by the members. We've got a workout and nutrition group that was started by the members. We've got a wellness group. We've got, you know, all of these things that people do.
1: Well, and like one of the things coming up, right, we're getting ready to head to Kansas City. Like you said, this is going to come out while we're there. And the posts have already started where members who are coming into town for the conference are like, hey, I want to go do this escape room or, hey, I'm I'm a runner and I'm going to go do this thing. Who else is up for it? And I love that community spirit where it's like. There's, there's, it's like, this is who I am. This is my life. If you are into it too, let's, let's connect and, and geek out and support each other together. Even when we're on the road, when we're at a conference. And I, I don't know of any other space um, that I have found so far within veterinary medicine that has that. And it's one of the things that I just really love about our community.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think the Encharted community is great. I think the online communities can be really great, especially if you're like a manager and you're looking for a connection. There, you really feel alone. Online groups can be great. Uh, Uncharted is an online group, said so we have an online community membership. I don't think that they can do everything that we need. I think at some point you need to be in contact with real, actual human people. I just yep. digital connections are awesome for conveying information. I think they can support existing relationships. That's why I love with Uncharted that we have live events. And we've got more live events coming next year than we had this year. And uh, I love that people can get together and they see each other, and then they go back and they keep those relationships going virtually. And then they they come back together. Local manager groups are fantastic for that, where people really get together. Um, I think going to to conferences or events or just just things where you can actually really talk to people, especially people that you have some sort of ongoing relationship with. I think that stuff really matters.
1: I I love that you said that about local groups because um one of the posts in uncharted um one of the, the person asked, have any of you reached out? And this person was a manager. And so they said specifically to other local managers, is that a weird thing to do? And I see it, I see it actually come up a lot in, um, I'm a member of VHMA, which is the Veterinary Hospital Managers Association, um, but also in a lot of the um, online groups, like on Facebook and stuff for managers where people are like, hey, I would, you know, has anybody ever done anything with local managers? And that has been huge for me in, in my career. Um, I was really blessed uh, when I first started as a manager that there was a group of other local managers that um, they were all older women. And so the group kind of um, was, they got together and had lunch, you know, once every four to six weeks and they talked about their kids and grandkids. And um, it was more of a, a friend's group, but I, I was very young and, and very inexperienced as a manager and really wanted the opportunity to learn and grow from them. And so um, I my manager of the hospital that I was at at the time invited me to go along. And I just started listening and soaking up all of the wisdom from all of these women who had been in their, in their positions. A lot of them were... Um, they were running the practice and their uh part their their husband or their wife was um the vet and so they had lots of years of experience in how to deal with the clinic and I and I learned so much and so um they all started retiring as I kind of moved up in my career and I was like, no, this is really important to me. And so I started getting out there and um, going to other practices and meeting other local managers and saying, hey, you should come hang out. Let's have lunch. Let's get together. Um, And the local managers group has been one of the most impactful um, groups and experiences in my entire career. And I think that they are out there. So if you didn't know that, that is a thing Uh, on on multiple levels. There are local technician associations, there are local managers groups, they're um, often partnered with your local VMA. So the doctors um, may have a A group um, but often there is a subset for specifically just for technicians or um, managers and I think um, unfortunately I think our front desk teams often get left out of this but if you are a front desk team member and you're like hey why do the technicians and the managers and the doctors all have a thing and we don't this is where I would say what's stopping you from making a thing call some of the other local clinics and say hey guys we want to get together and we're going to have dinner and talk about how to tackle client service issues i mean that is absolutely how i started our our local managers group and it and it has um has grown and um You know, I am no longer in charge of it, Um, but we have, it has kept on and often um, vendors will be hugely supportive of um, coordinating efforts like this, not only helping um, you with finding meeting space and helping take care of you um, from a food perspective, because they're always awesome and willing to do that, but also helping get the word out. I mean, they're in clinics all day, every day. It is the easiest thing in the world to say, "Hey, I want to get together with some other managers. Can you help me spread the spread the word? Use them as a resource um, because they are they are an incredibly powerful one." Um, and then, like you said, I think looking at beyond your local community, and I think a lot of the pushback on the local level comes from people, particularly with managers, feeling like, "Ooh, I can't go to lunch with them. There are competition." To me, that <laughs> that that attitude is the idea that there is um, a finite piece of pie and that everybody, everybody is going to get their slice. And when the slices are, are gone, there's, there's no more. And I think it's the scarcity mentality and it, and it really upsets me as a manager because the reality is, is that there will come a day where we need to rely on, um, Another local clinic, whether it's because you know our lab machine breaks down and we have a critical patient in the hospital and we need to run a CBC, I want to know that even though I have competitors that I could call one of them up and say, "Hey guys, this is the situation can I you know can I come over and run this and we'll we'll buy you a replacement um you know rotor or hey, we ran out of this thing can can we come over and and borrow it and and I think it is really important to create a, a nice, healthy um, professional relationship with, with our competition. And I think that a manager's group is a great place to do that because we all have the same challenges and it's really easy to get together and talk about those things and commiserate on some level about the staff challenges or the client challenges.
0: Yeah, it's sort of a core belief of mine is your competitor is not your competitor. Mm -hmm. Your competitor is in action on the part of the pet owner. That's the competition. That's the challenge. It's not you're not not seeing pets because another veterinarian is siphoning them away from you. You're not seeing pets because pet owners don't see the value in what we're doing or our reminder systems are not as good as they could be, or we're not as easy to schedule appointments with as we could be, or we're not making recommendations as clearly and effectively as we could be, or we're not getting people on home delivery if that's what they need. Well, A million things Mm -hmm. to do more with pet owners who are not getting services than fighting for the finite pie that we imagine. Mm-hmm. practices are better off you, you know I'm not telling them there's a difference in um in being you know completely transparent everything and collaborating with people yep. who do the same job that you do in your town I mean I, I think use common sense and and know that you're working to do the best for your practice and help other people do the best for their practice Guys, vet medicine as a whole is way underserving pet owners. We look at pet uh, at the pet industry just booming and booming in billions and billions of dollars. And vet medicine is not, not changing. That's ridiculous. People are spending tons and tons and tons of money on their pets. They're not spending it with us. The biggest problem is not our competitors. It is us not doing uh, as high quality work as we could do. We're better off working together and figuring out what that is.
1: Yeah. I think... The the end message is find your tribe, find find the relationships outside of work, but also inside of work. Find your tribe that is that is outside of your team that can understand and appreciate the unique challenges of being in a leadership role and and utilize them, whether it's on a local level, on a national level like um, the VHMA or on a um, broad spectrum just that med level uh, in a community like Uncharted, you, you have to find your people. And I would be, um, you know, remiss if I didn't say that Uncharted has an amazing tribe and an amazing community of people. And if you haven't checked us out, you should, because totally. it is a pretty awesome group. I agree. All right, cool. Thanks, Steph. Yeah, I will see you pretty soon in Kansas City. See you then. Bye.